Welcome to The Strategic Investor. Join us as we interview some of the world's most productive asset managers and uncover sophisticated and unique investment strategies in the markets. Here is your host, Charlie Wright. Hello and welcome to Strategic Investor Radio on OC Talk Radio, where we bring you investment strategies you are not hearing elsewhere. I'm Charlie Wright here with Paul Roberts of OC Talk Radio, and we'd like to welcome for the very first time on Strategic Investor Radio, Julian Kosky, co-founder and chief investment officer of New Age Alpha, a family of ETFs focused on their proprietary H-risk factor. Uh, Julian speaks to us from New York City, their headquarters. Julian, welcome to Strategic Investor Radio. Great to have you. Thank you for having me, Tommy. So, Julian, your background includes having started Transparent Value Indexes, which you sold to Guggenheim after reaching assets of about $5 billion. And then in 2020, you launched New Age Alpha and established the first indexes for it. So let's start with a little of your background. So originally, I'm from South Africa. I immigrated in 1983. Um, I've been doing the same thing ever since I came to this country and everything, every time I've done it, it's an evolution of what I've done. Uh, Armin Aris, my, uh, the chief investment, uh, the, the CEO of the company, he and I have been working together for the past 20 years on really bringing an actuarial approach to mitigating risk that comes from human behavior. Uh, as you correctly said, we built transparent value and we sold that to Guggenheim in 2015. And in 2018, we started New Age Alpha. Oh, okay. So, so tell us, more than once on your website, it also states you're looking for ways to ap apply actuary elements to investing. Tell us a little about how you're trying to do that. Well, let's start off with trying to understand what we're trying to do, right? In our, in our view, we think portfolio managers and investors in general have an imperfect understanding of where they think alpha comes from. They think in terms of picking winners when their goal should be to avoid losers, if I drew a straight line for you, and that straight line was the S&P 500, and I put winners at one end and losers at the other, and I ask an audience of portfolio managers or investors, how would you build a portfolio to beat that S&P 500? 99% of them are going to say, pick the winners. But think about this for a moment. In order to pick a winner, you have to have some knowledge of the future. The future, by definition, is not known. And the more you forecast the unknown future, the more you're just increasing the likelihood you're going to be wrong and invest in a loser. So what we did at New Age Alpha is we built a methodology around avoiding losers. And really, we've departed completely from traditional portfolio management ideas. And we've drawn on the principles of insurance to do this, right? So that's a little bit about uh, uh, what we're trying to accomplish. It's all about avoiding the losers. Now, what is a loser? Right, a loser is a company that, simple in simple terms, is a company that's overpriced, and that overpricing comes from human behavior. It doesn't come from the fundamentals of the company. It's coming from the behavior of market participants that take vague and ambiguous information and they price it into the stock. So we know we know that the efficient market hypothesis says, well, you should um, all information is priced into into a stock. That's true. The known information is priced, but also this vague and ambiguous. Look what's going on with COVID today. Look what's going on with Tesla, GameStop. There's more and more vague and ambiguous information. So how do you underwrite risk when there's so much vague and ambiguous information in there? 
You think about it, there's one industry in the world that's very good at doing that, and that's the insurance industry. And we have a saying, manage risk like an actuary, not like a portfolio manager. And you think about it, when was the last time you got insurance or you applied for insurance? You, you know, if you look at the questionnaire, they don't ask you vague questions like, are you going to go to the gym or are you going to quit smoking? You either don't smoke and you either go to the gym or not. And they underwrite risk based on what they know. When you think about a stock, there's only two things absolutely known about a stock at any point in time. And that is the stock price and the financial statements. And from those two things, you want to calculate what is the growth implied by that stock price. And here's the actuarial part. You want to calculate the probability that the company will fail to deliver that growth. So that's a little bit about the methodology and how it weaves together the insurance part of it. Tell us, Sir Julian, it all sounds good in theory, but do the fundamentals that, that are in the, the financial statement, do they contain sufficient information for you to be able to judge if they're going to reach their, their expected goals? So remember, the financials contain the fundamental information. The stock price itself reflects everything else. There's so much information out there that the market is going to price the stock according to that information, right? Use a simple example to explain what we're doing, then I'll answer your question. If you took Tesla for a moment, let's assume Tesla was trading at $100 a share, right? Just a simple example. And let's say that you're able to calculate that for $100 a share, Tesla needs to sell 1,000 cars per quarter to justify that price. That's not hard math. That's easy math to figure out what the implied growth rate is for that stock price. Now, if you opened the financial statements for Tesla to the prior 12 quarters and you looked each quarter and you saw, wow, look, Tesla has delivered 1,000 cars each quarter. What's the probability that Tesla is going to deliver 1,000 cars in the next quarter? It's about 100%, right? That's how this works. Now, if Tesla is trading at $1,000 a share and now Tesla has to deliver 7,000 or 8,000 cars per quarter, not 1,000, and you look back and you see Tesla's only done 1,000, well, then the probability in the next quarter is only going to be somewhere around 10%. Now, I ask you, I ask the audience, why would you invest in a company that's only got a 10% chance of delivering the growth implied in its stock price, right? So that's the simple math of what we're doing. There's enough information in the financial statements and in the stock price to understand this probability because I don't need to know anything else. I just need to know what the market's saying about the stock price. And I need to make sure that that stock price hasn't dislocated from the fundamentals. Most times that happens when humans get to work and start pricing things. What's happening is the stock prices are dislocating from the underlying fundamentals. But wouldn't that mean, uh, Julian, that you would be uh, overweighted in value stocks and underweighted in growth stocks because there's so many stocks that, you know, they're growth stocks, but, but the, 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 the stock price isn't really justified by the fundamentals. But, but that, that, that isn't necessarily accurate in the sense we're actually more growth orientated than value. Um, I, don't, I don't think it's appropriate on this presentation to talk about, but we have absolutely almost zero correlation to value. Um, we, we are much more correlated towards quality and things like that. If you think about what we're doing, you know, if you look at uh, Tesla, well, I just pointed out to you that if you look at July 15th, 2019, Tesla was trading at $253 a share. Applying our math, 
we were able to calculate that Tesla needed to sell 95,000 new cars per quarter to defend that price. Now, if you looked back over the past 12 quarters, Tesla was delivering that 80% of the time. Now, let's put some context around this, right? Back on that date, there were 169 headlines about Tesla out there. 130 of those headlines were negative. You had Jim Chanos, David Einhorn, uh, you know, Wall Street God saying this company is going to go out of business. But that's the vague and ambiguous information I'm talking about. That found its way into the stock price and it underpriced the stock. Now, did we own it? Yes, we did. Now, that's a growth stock. It, it's all dependent on what the stock price was saying, not whether it's growth or value. It's, well, what is the stock price saying at that point in time? One quarter later, two quarters later, one year later, what's Tesla's probability? 50% of failure. Well, would we own it now? Absolutely not. Those are not odds. You don't want to invest in a company that's got 50-50 odds of delivering the growth. You want to look for the mispriced odds. How about, uh, Julian, and I'm putting your feet to the fire here. I uh, hope you don't mind. How about companies that don't produce a product or who are selling a product that's been produced, such as a software company? Do you look at the sales? Is that what you're going to look at? But they're not producing automobiles or something. You just look at the growth rate. Stock prices mean something. And the thing that they mean is, of course, they mean you've got to deliver earnings, you've got to deliver cash flows. But more fundamental than that is you've got to deliver growth. Because if you don't have the growth, you're not going to have the, the cash flows and you're not going to have the earnings, right? But it starts with growth, right? Because there's lots of ways to get to earnings. You can cut costs, for instance. You can cut expenses. Well, is that necessary? The stock price properly reflecting the growth rate? So no, it's, it's, all, it's, it's simply not, I don't actually need to know what they do. What I need to know is what's that implied growth rate? What is that stock price telling me about what they need to deliver? That's what I need to know in terms of growth. You don't look at ETFs, I presume. You look simply at, at stocks, correct? We, we, do, we do do it for ETFs as well. I'm able to look at any ETF and see what the probability is that the ETF will deliver the growth based on all of its holdings. Remember, once, I, once I've got the stock price for stocks, I can then aggregate them for all the ETFs and give you uh, a, a probability on, on, a, on, on an ETF. Okay. And uh, do you do this for the S&P 500, for the yes. Dow Jones only? What, what do you no, do we do this stocks? for global, global indexes, global indexes. So we, we have a saying here, we take what's good and make it better. And what are we saying? We, we, we take, you know, we think the S&P 500 is a fine product, it's a fine index, but really what our goal is to remove the losers, right? Because what we have seen is that, uh, I, call, I, call, I call our risk measure the human factor, right? What we've seen when we measure stocks, stocks with a high human factor underperform stocks with a low human factor. So what we've seen is we want to remove the stocks from the S&P 500 or any universe globally, and we want to focus on the stocks that have got the low human factor. So when we talk about saying making it better, it's about removing those names that we think could impact your portfolio because the human factor is too high. There's too much vague and ambiguous information that's been pressed into that stock. There's, it's, not, it's not built in reality. The, the underlying fundamentals are not reflecting that stock price anymore. It's actually very, very simple math, um, but nobody wants to pay attention to the simple math. They all want to think about volatility and all these complex measures. Those things don't measure risk. Okay. 
And so uh, about how many stocks do you guys look at? Well, we do it. So, you know, our tools and we, we do this for thousands, nearly 7,000 stocks around the world. Our ETFs, um, they really only have 50 stocks. So the S&P 500, the New Age Alpha leading index has, we take the S&P 500, we remove 450 names and we invest in 50 names with the lowest H factor. And that's the product, right? So the, the more concentrated a portfolio around the lowest H factors, the better the performance, right? If you're willing to accept human behavior into your portfolio, then you're going to erode returns. And, you know, that human behavior is playing out today. And it's going to get worse because you're watching the Robin Hoods of the world. You're watching what's going on. More and more are going to start playing in this marketplace and it's going to impact your portfolio. And the question I would ask is, what tools are you using to mitigate that risk? So do you uh, change every quarter following the uh, earnings announcements? That is correct. Correct. The models are updated. So we do it two ways, right? One is the tools are updated daily to show the new stock price. Because if the stock price changes, the implied growth rate is going to change and the probability is going to change. But that doesn't mean we rebalance our portfolios. We rebalance the portfolios quarterly because that's when the new financial statements come out and you want to rebalance on the quarterly information. Okay. Now, the S&P 500, to focus on that, for, for example, uh, it has uh, the FANG stocks have dramatically impacted the returns there, at least until the last uh, few months. Has your system reflected and identified that? Well, it has, but... But that's exactly what I'm arguing. So those 50 stocks that we use uh, in our portfolio, to just give you an example, like last year when the first, I'm going to talk about 2020 because 2021 things have changed. But in 2020, that 50 stock index was up 22% versus 18% of the S&P. Now, did that index include those names? No, it didn't. So the point I'm making is that there is a way to generate returns without owning those names. I'm not saying owning Apple and Netflix, you're going to lose money. No, of course not. But what I am saying is, if in any one quarter, any one of those names underperform, that underperformance is going to erode your portfolio's returns. So the question becomes, how do you build a portfolio without owning those names? And what we're saying to you, it's about the H factor. Think about it. Everybody's trying to own those names. So guess what? The H factor is high. You, you're absorbing a lot of human behavior into those names. So the names we're looking at, are, it's almost like no one's looking at those names, but that's where the return is. Well, the, this is certainly uh, different stuff here, Julian. Is, is this uh, kind of your and your partner's brainchild here? Uh, or uh, has somebody else come up with this and, and you have built on it? Uh, how does that work? No, no, this is our brainchild. We've been at this for, we've been working on this for well over 20 years now. We've always had the belief that, that the biggest risk out in the marketplace today is human behavior. But yet, the underlying measures we use to mitigate that risk do almost nothing to mitigate that risk. No one's accounting for human behavior as a risk. Yes, a lot of, there's a lot of human behavior asset management firms that want to take advantage of it, but that's not what we're saying. We're saying all behaviors are bad. You want to avoid them in your portfolio. Use an actual approach. And we built this from scratch. And we, re, you know, we, we work on it all the time uh, uh, as part of our investment process. What would you say is one thing that you wish investors and advisors better understood about investing? 
focus on avoiding the losers, focus not on trying to pick the next winner, right? If you want to do that, go to a casino, right? There's lots of other ways to get the winner, right? Think about baseball and money ball, right? Same thing, right? You know, sabermetrics were able to figure out that, wait a minute, this is about the on-base percentage. And now, you know, all the baseball firms, most of the baseball firms are using this, right? It's the same thing, right? You know, you look at sports, and, and, and Moneyball, you look at insurance, for instance, um, you know, there they've got these metrics down. But yet when it comes to the stock market, we're still in this antiquated form of, well, I think I know what's going to happen in the future. Well, you don't. So the best thing is stop forecasting the future, focus on what you know, and avoid the losers. Well, you, 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 uh, you tell a compelling sta- uh, uh, story here. Jerry. Thank you. No, no, no question about it. Uh, what's the biggest objection that you, you typically get from advisors or uh, investors? Too good to be true. <laughs> <laughs> we've done all the homework around the metrics, and there's almost nothing unanswered in terms of what we've done as a business. But, you know, it's the, it's the, the newness of it, right? The, 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 the apprehension to try something new, to look at it in a different way, right? That maybe this is a different way at looking at risk, right? And, you know, it's overcoming that, that is probably some of the biggest objections. We, we always get the question, this sounds like a value strategy, and, and I've got all the correlations. It's nowhere close to being a value strategy. It's not even anywhere correlated with that. You know, it's, uh, it, it, it's, a, it's a very differentiated approach. I think the one thing I'd say to investors is if you want a different outcome today, you have to approach things differently. I don't think the problem is the stock market. I think the problem are the groups of investors in the market all behaving the same way. That's dangerous, right? It's, that's where the correlations all come from, right? And you look at where, you know, where the academia comes from, you know, which firms people work for. We tend to incubate the same ideas repeatedly. And that in myself, I believe, is where your correlation is coming from. It's not market needs people for people to behave. And you're getting this systematic behavior in the marketplace. So, Julian, uh, do you guys market uh, only to advisors or also to investors? Who do so you look far, to attract? Yeah. yeah, so far it's just to advisors. Uh, we're just working with advisors. We are considering thinking about opening it up to end investors. Uh, but right now, it's just to advisors. So let's ask a question we'd like to ask all of our guests here. Julian, what book on investing would you recommend for our listeners? So the one, the one book that I, that I like, it, 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 wasn't, it didn't influence me, but it's a good book. It's a book called The Success Equation by Michael Mabusian. So that, that book is interesting because it, it adds a lot of light to what I'm talking about here, right? I, I very rarely meet other people, and I haven't met him, by the way, but I have read his books and I have handed them out to a lot of people. It's very helpful in the sense that, you know, he, he sees the world the same way, right? Uh, and that, that book to me is very, very interesting. Uh, the Success Equation, who was the author again for listeners? His name, I don't know if I'm doing justice to his name, but it's Michael Mobusian. Um, I, if you want, you want the spelling, I can give it to you now. M-O-B-U-S-I-A-N? I think it is. I mean, I'll be honest. I don't have it in front of me, but let me. Okay. Well, the success equation, that, that, yeah. and that's how to do it. Michael starting with an M. Okay. Yes. Yeah, yes Thank yes. you. And what do you think is the best advice? I can guess this one that you've ever heard about investing. Over the years, received a lot. 
but it's um, probably the best advice was, you know, actually from my father, who probably would turn around and say, stop selling me things you don't know, right? You don't know anything about, right? So, and what he, what he was referring to is getting him to invest in some of the things I was doing. You know, you would always say, well, you, you know, you're forecasting the future. Yeah, you're gambling, right? Stop selling me things you don't know. So it's, it's really about focus on what you know, uh, on the known information, right? Again, coming from actuaries, um, that's the advice that, you know, I was hearing all the time. Okay, thank you. We, we appreciate that. And that's not a typical answer we've received. So, so we right. like to hear uh, new and different ones. So where can listeners go who would like to ner- learn more about New Age Alpha? To our website is the best place, newagealpha.com. We have some great tools available that are available for free, right? Uh, the only thing we do require is that you do register to take a 10-minute lesson with one of our portfolio specialists because the portfolio specialists will teach you how to use this, right? It's a very new methodology. It's, people are, haven't grown up with the idea of managing probability or using probabilities to invest this way. So it is important that they hear a little bit about how to use this to invest. Okay. Thank you. So newagealpha.com. So final yes. words for our listeners here, Julian. Final words is, is that, um, look, I know, I know it's a very new methodology and it's, it's probably sounds complex, but it's not, right? Um, probabilities have been used through the ages, right? We use it for almost everything we do in our life. But again, there's this vacuum when it comes to the stock market. It's seemingly missing. And I, I believe that, that if you look today, portfolios are very susceptible to this human behavior. And I don't think current risk metrics are doing anything to inure your portfolio from that behavior. Well, thank you very much. Again, uh, a very different approach and you tell a compelling story and we really appreciate you being with us here. And I'm sure our listeners will find it to be very interesting as well. And our best wishes to you and to New Age Alpha for uh, continued success. Thanks for joining us, Julian. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Again, we've been talking with Julian Kosky, co-founder, chief investment officer at New Age Alpha. You've been listening to Strategic Investor Radio and OC Talk Radio. We'd love to hear from you and welcome your comments at info at strategicinvestorradio.com. And you can access all of our previous interviews and shows at strategicinvestorradio.com. I'm Charlie Wright, wishing you an enjoyable week and productive investing. Strategic Investor Radio is a production of OC Talk Radio and is provided for educational purposes only. Content of this program and the views of the guests should not be considered as recommendations by OC Talk Radio or investment advice from the host Charlie Wright or any other entity attached to this production. Investors should always consult qualified financial, investment, tax, or legal professionals prior to investing.